0: it in one platform we remove the complexity you don't need apis you don't need to tie together your email marketing your web analytics to your salespeople or to any of your sales enablement processes it's all together it's all in one and that removes the complexity of actually gathering the data which is a huge part of upfront work to actually pull that information into your business then once you pull that in then you want to be able to present that to
1: people in a way that's relevant Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Lars Hegelson. Lars is the founder and CEO of Greenrope, developer of the complete CRM. In our conversation today, Lars and I talk about why managing data in a business is a leadership and management issue first and a technology issue second. We dive into why Lars believes that traditional CRM systems They're really a giant waste of time and resources for companies that aren't among the largest enterprises. And we dig into why companies can't treat their CRM as just a data utility, but have to be proactive about establishing an effective data policy and strategy to use the data. More importantly, we also talk about how Lars paddleboards with his dog and why he believes the best advice he can give to an entrepreneur is to get a dog into your life. All right, let's jump into it with Lars. Lars, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Pleasure. So, um, tell people where you've been hanging out during the pandemic.
0: <laughs> well, uh, we haven't really changed much as a result of the pandemic. We started as a virtual company and have been a virtual company before, through, and and after the pandemic. So, it really didn't well, affect how about, us. How much. about
1: yourself, though? Where have you been hanging out?
0: Um, so, personally, uh, well, you know, owning a business, you spend a lot of time working. So, obviously, I'm home working a lot. But um, also, I get out and surf a lot, um, which is a good exercise for me to get out on the water. Um, I like to take my dog on long walks um and hikes to out in the woods and get in away. Well, the Southern California woods, I put that in quotes. Um <laughs> you know, the ones that aren't from, burning. Yeah, right. Those. Um so those are those are my main things um that I do to sort of Get my, get my uh, freedom and everything while I'm, while I'm in the midst of this pandemic. I'm sure, I'm sure everyone is looking for the same things,
1: but yeah well I saw a picture of you um, I'm gonna stand up paddle surfing with your dog on the front of the board. you still do that?
0: Yeah. oh yeah. so I have really bad shoulders from years of, of hockey and volleyball, and uh, surfing is really difficult. Um, prone surfing when you lay down padling yeah. It's really right. hard on my rotator cuff. And so I discovered stand-up paddling as a good way to get exercise and, and surf and, and also be able to paddle distance, but get a, it's a good full body workout and is not as hard on my shoulders. So it's been my thing I've been doing for the last six, seven years and I really love it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun and, and
1: um, yeah, I enjoy the, enjoy the exercise. So how'd you convince your dog to come along with you?
0: <laughs> uh, he's pretty adventurous. I take him everywhere, so uh, he's he's not the best swimmer. So he has his life jacket wherever he goes on the water with me. But, um, but we've done <laughs> but, we've done river paddleboarding, we've done lake paddleboarding, and we've gone out on the ocean. And so he's he loves it. He has a great time.
1: So he just I mean, like the first time he did it, did he like was he nervous about it or like Dad, you're gonna dump me in the ocean or yeah. <laughs> he, he, had, yeah. he had confidence in your abilities to keep him dry.
0: Uh, well, I, I won't say that he's never slipped off. Um, sometimes that happens, but you know they've got a convenient handle on the back of the life preserver that I, I put him on, and so I just pick him up, put him back on. He's uh, he's a pretty good sport about the whole thing.
1: I was going to say, And which you do that out at at Cardiff, or which beaches do you go to? We're talking the San Diego area.
0: Yeah, everywhere around North County we've been. Um, sometimes lagoons. Um, so it just you know it depends kind of where we feel like going and. Um, but we've also done rivers um, up in uh, Northern California and or Oregon and Washington. So we've done wow. some river paddleboarding, which is fun. And so obviously, nothing too crazy <clears throat> on a river with uh, with a dog. But uh, but it's fun. We have a great <laughs> Yeah, because
1: yeah, he could be gone in a hurry. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. See one of your words of advice for entrepreneurs is to get a dog. So why is that? Well,
0: I think every dog owner will tell you that, uh, you know, there's something very special about the unconditional love and the, uh, the, uh, just sort of the eternal optimism that seems to go with having a little dog, you know, or, or, or a bigger dog, just having a dog, the energy is, is, I think it's positive. It's very, um, beneficial. And for me, he provides a good sense of balance. There are some days before I had a dog where I would work 12, 14 hours straight, you know, maybe get up for, for a glass of water or, or, you know, microwave some food, but, you know, it would, it would be ridiculous. Um, And so with the dog, every few hours he comes up and he sits next to me and he looks at me and says, Hey dad, let's go. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. forces me to stand up, get outside, take him out for a little adventure, you know, and, and make sure that everyone in Cardiff knows that uh, he still is the one who owns all of the bushes. So, um, it's (laughs) it's all the
1: bushes. Yeah. So, people listening to this who aren't from San Diego is, is I'm envious of Lars because Lars lives four blocks from the world's best bar none best donut store.
0: Absolutely, yeah, VG's is is epic donuts. So yeah, yeah I got to be careful. <laughs> I'm not going in there too often.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the rest of you people who unfortunately don't live in, in in San Diego, you're missing out. But if you do come, go to Cardiff. VG's donuts. Don't do it on weekend mornings because the lines are, especially these days with COVID, are very, very long. But uh, well worth it.
0: For sure. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've my wife and I have sort of made a mission. Yeah, we test donuts everywhere we go because you know scientifically we're trying to see whether VG's is indeed the best. And and uh, yeah, it's so far. That's, still a, the
0: best. that's a, a worthy mission to go on.
1: A worthy mission. We've uh, we've completely worked on New York, Chicago, uh, several other cities. Uh, Fiji still the uh, still undefeated in the king. So, um, all right. Well, well, tell us a little bit about uh, your company, Green Rope. What do you guys do?
0: So, Green Rope is a CRM and marketing automation platform. So, we call it complete CRM because we see the world of CRM uh, as a as a more inclusive way to define relationships between businesses and leads or customers, and really the it, it was born out of it's been around the concept that we call complete CRM has been around for for quite some time. I mean CRM obviously has been around for a good forty or fifty years, and the idea of managing the relationship between a company and its leads and its customers is really not a is not a new thing. Um, But I think the idea of having software that does it all in one place is a little bit of a newer concept. So a lot of what people think of as CRM, they think of as a sales tool. And traditionally it has been because sales is a lot of times what drives those relationships. You know, you've got a salesperson who maybe met somebody at a trade show, or maybe there was a, uh, you know, they, they got a lead and they cold called them, or maybe they connected with them somehow. And those notes that someone puts into this central repository of information manages that information. And starting way back in the day, having some centralized place to do that was pretty valuable. But things have changed. The environment is different. The way things work, um, is just, it's just different. Um, people do a lot more research now online Obviously, with COVID, there's really not as much personal, interpersonal interaction. You know, you don't have people meetings at trade shows so much anymore. Um, But there are still relationships. And the businesses that don't adapt and manage those relationships the right way are the ones that are going to fail. And so our concept of Complete CRM is that sales, marketing, customer service, and event management, and some of the more operational elements of what it takes to manage your relationships should all be in one place. And that's that's really the thing that separates us because most other platforms that you see on the market are focused on the CRM as a sales tool and everything else is a plugin. Everything else requires some amount of integration to pull that data in. And when you do that, it creates a lot of complexity and cost for a business. And so our platform with everything all built in one makes it easy for a business to do all of those things and have all that data integrated.
1: So, all right. So several things, I'm just sort of playing back what you're just saying is, is, I mean, arguably to a large degree, CRM really hasn't been a sales tool. It's really, in fact, I think to some degree it's sort of evolving as, as sort of a utility, right? I mean, it's sort of, this is where you store data.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, ultimately CRM itself is a culture. It's not just a piece of software. The the software reflects the culture that's driven around the relationships that are established between your company and the people that it serves. And so typically going back in the day, you know, and when CRM was first envisioned, it was, it was primarily used by salespeople. But the reality is that those relationships are driven by salespeople. They're driven by marketing people. They're driven by customer service people. They're driven by your account reps. They're even driven by your accountants. So and managing their vendors, all of these different things are are all part of the relationships between your business and the people you serve. And so having a a centralized platform where all that data is together in one system means that you can have that data cataloged, categorized, and then you can do things with automation that allows you to, to automate all of those different processes and share that information where it needs to be shared.
1: Well, it's, all right. So again, unpacking that is, is you know, use the, the term data quite a bit. Um, so what, and I think you also it's something I've read that you've written about, you know, data policy. So let's dive into the data. So what, what data are you talking about other than just, hey, here's what happened this last call we had with the customer?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a good question because data does mean different things to every single business. Every business is collecting data differently and and is collecting different data. But if you think about some of the things that are common amongst a lot of businesses, if you have a salesperson, they may have a phone call and they may be taking notes and saying, "I talked to this lead. This is what they said. This is what they were interested in." And having that put into a central place is probably one of the the most common kind of basic ways that salespeople generate data. But if you extend that and you think about all the other parts of a relationship and you think about things like email marketing, so maybe as part of that sales conversation, they say, the lead says, yes, send me more information. And then the salesperson then kicks off an email that has that information that goes off to that lead. There's additional information, one, the fact that that email was even sent, but then also Was it opened? Was it clicked on? Did the person's email bounce? Maybe they had a bad, they provided a wrong email address. Did they get the message? And for some reason say, I'm so offended. I want to unsubscribe. All of that information is creating data that then should be in the hands of both the salesperson and the marketing person. I know a lot of what you talk about is sales enablement, which is connecting these dots, bridging these, these different components together. And so what we want to do is create a single platform where that kind of data is gathered automatically and made available to the right people. So whether it's email marketing data, whether it's website analytics data. So, you know, maybe there was a link on that email that brought them to a website. Do you know what pages they went to? How long were they on those various different pages? And then maybe there's a form that they could fill out. Did you log the fact that they filled out that form? Were there videos on your website? Did they watch those videos? How long did they watch those videos? Did they reach out to customer service? Maybe they had a chat session with somebody. Maybe they um, created a a ticket because they had an issue with something that they were looking at. Whatever. All of these things, these interactions are generating data. And if you don't have a centralized place to bring that data together, you get what's called technical debt. And technical debt is a term that we use where you have different, it's not just us, but the, the industry is where you have all these different software platforms that are generating data, but they sit in their own little silo. And it's impossible to get that data out and in the hands of the people that could really use it. So if we go back to our scenario and you have a salesperson that's, ca- that's gathering all that information, they want to interact with the lead, that salesperson wants to know What did they do with my email? Did they go to my website? Did they watch any videos? Did they chat with someone on our team? Did they fill out a form? All of this data is relevant to the salesperson's ability to sell. And so if we can get all that data in their hands, that makes them better at what they do. And that ultimately is what we want to do. We want to use technology to help people do their jobs better and easier.
1: Well, so what does that... I shouldn't maybe want to. That's <laughs> why so I lead with this question, but let me go through it anyway because it's going to be part of a larger conversation. Which is, you know, what's that data look like when it's in the salesperson's hands that that's fed to them? Because, yeah, I absolutely agree that that we have this issue. We've got all these disparate sources of data that uh, there's no sort of single source of truth within an organization in terms of what this data means. But by the same token, though, there's there's all these other points of data, which are now through technology, have the ability to to capture you know intent data and conversational intelligence and looking at you know listening to phone calls and, and pulling out um, you know information from that, uh, to your point, how are people interacting with content, uh, yeah, customer success, so on and so forth, is where we seem to be heading though is saying look we 're going to take all these sources of data and apply some sort of, of uh, algorithm to it from an AI standpoint to say, hey, this is really what we need to be doing at this point in time with this customer, either from a marketing perspective or from a sales perspective or whatever. Uh, so it seems like it's become a much bigger play and oftentimes the term revenue, revenue operations or rev ops is used to, to describe that.
0: Yeah, I mean, whenever you have a lot of different data streams coming in, the trick is how do you make it something that's usable? Um, But the first problem is getting the data streams in. And that's usually the hardest problem for most businesses. It's not, the issue is not, are they gathering the data? Because you can have, on average, marketers use seven different pieces of software. Mm -hmm. And so you imagine you have all those different data pieces, and then you try to integrate them together, and it turns into a giant data processing challenge. And so, and it, what well, the sales the sales
1: tech stack is uh, there was a survey done that <laughs> that they surveyed sales ops directors of VPs, you know, how many tools do you have in a sales tech stack, and it was like, you know, five to seven, and then they interviewed the sales people, and it was like thirteen. So yeah, yeah you have yeah eight marketing and thirteen sales apps that are all gathering data.
0: Right, right, and so when you when you try to integrate that all together. If you're, if you're a normal business and you have a job, whatever it is that you do, whether you, whatever, whatever service or product you provide, and now all of a sudden you have to have a team inside your company that has to manage pulling all that data together, parsing through it all, trying to make it all talk to each other, make it so that it, all the contact IDs and companies that you're working with, like they're all matched together, it turns into a giant spider web. And now all of a sudden you have to be a software development house. Because managing software is completely different than other types of businesses. And so when you create that kind of complexity in your organization, then you end up either focusing a ton of energy on trying to pull that data in and then trying to make sense of it. Or you just pull in the parts that you can and you make decisions based on partial data sets, which is way worse. So... What we want to do with Greenrope, the idea is that we put it in one platform, we remove the complexity. You don't need APIs, you don't need to tie together your email marketing, your web analytics to your salespeople or to any of your sales enablement processes. It's all together. It's all in one. And that removes the complexity of actually gathering the data, which is a huge part of upfront upfront work to actually pull that information into your business. Then once you pull that in, then you want to be able to present that to people in a way that's relevant. So our system is designed to make that pretty simple. But the two big tools that companies use to help them do that is lead scoring and predictive analytics. So lead scoring is pretty simple. It's a matter of just saying, based on what I know about demographics and the activities that they're doing, I'm going to give them points. And for activities, of course, you want to degrade points because you want to say that if you say I send you an email, and you opened it today and you read it or you clicked on it, you're going to get points. That's more relevant today than if you did that six months ago. So that's lead scoring. And that's an important part of helping salespeople and marketing people identify who they should be following up with and how they should follow up with those people. Because the higher the lead score, obviously, the more interest. On the other side, the predictive analytics engine is something that you would want to run to find correlations between demographics and actions and whether or not they're going to convert And that helps you guide your strategy. So those are two tools that you can put in place to help your business make sense of a lot of data if you want to look at it at a macro level. On a micro level, if a salesperson can log into one interface and they can see I'm going to look up this contact. I'm going to look up this lead. I can see their lead score. I can see by the predictive analytics engine, what they're most interested in. And then I can look. And if I want to see exactly what they did, I can see every email they opened, every website they visit, every phone call, every text message, every video, every form, all of that in one central place where you can easily categorize all the things that have happened with them. And that's the vision that we help our clients get to, because it's about creating not just the way to gather all the data in a way that's automated and simple, but a way to execute on that 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 also pulls in things like that lead scoring and predictive analytics and then ties into a sales and marketing automation system that allows you to automate all those follow-ups and do that sales enablement.
1: Yeah, I think that's the gap in my mind that's, that's, that's still there, which is presenting data in an actionable form to sellers in a way that helps them be more effective in front of the customer, because I think that's 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 the gap we still have with with sales and marketing technology. Is yeah, we can we can have all these data points and so on, but you look. I mean, just look at what's happening in the industry. I mean, we have these various data points, these research. and We'll just take them as yeah, we'll we'll take them as indicators. Let's say I don't necessarily say they're necessarily the truth, but Reports from CSO Insights and other companies about, you know, the, it's now sort of folklore, I think, that the percentage of sales reps making quotas has been dropping year over year. It's less than 50%, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And that's happening during the same period where we've had this huge infusion of, of technology into sales and marketing. So we've spent billions uh, investing in sales and marketing technologies. And the net result has been salespeople who are performing less effectively in front of prospects. So clearly there's a gap there. So how do we bridge that gap?
0: Well, that's what we do. Um, and what you've pointed out is, is one of the biggest common problems that, that you hear. It's funny. You know, there's that, that expression, you know what a chain of command is. It's the chain I beat you with until you do what I want you to do. <laughs> and, um, and commonly with, with salespeople, that's how they see their CRM. They see it as a mandatory thing if they don't put notes in their CRM. Um, then, then their sales, their, their sales manager beats on them until they do, um, or they get fired. And so they're forced to use that, but they don't really get a lot out of it. And that's the exact problem that you're running into is the exact scenario you're talking about is, and I've talked to people in industries and companies all over the world. Um, and, and it's, it's a common thing. A salesperson doesn't have a lot of time and they don't want to log into 10 different systems to get the information they need. And so they don't really. And so they'll they'll either skimp or they'll end up spending an inordinate amount of time just trying to do paperwork to, to do their job, to sell. And they can't focus on the part that they really do best, which is relationship building, being on the phone and personalizing those interactions. So when you work with platforms that are the traditional CRM platforms, the huge, the, the behemoths, the Salesforces, Microsoft's Oracles, SAPs, all these huge companies. They have these great visions of how they want to pull these things together. But for most, and especially in the SMB space, trying to pull that data together means installing tons of different software pieces, hiring an army of developers, linking that data together, somehow helping them make sense of it all. And and because it's a very complex animal to try and tame, they generally don't do it. And that's exactly the scenario that you described. That's why that's such a big problem, because... Throwing more money and throwing more technology at something doesn't fix a problem. It requires taking a step back and saying, "How do we gather this data? How do we make sense of it in a way that's not going to overwhelm my people and help them with the tools that they can use to do their jobs better?"
1: Yeah, well, I, I agree. I mean, I think the the holy grail, though, is is to some degree the holy grail is for sellers is and companies are talking about this and it's, it's about, okay, how do we, in the moment, can I give the seller some information that will help them make better choices and decisions, again, when they're interacting with the prospect?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in and real that's, time. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's what you need to do. You need to tie in sales automation, marketing automation, so that data is all linked together and feeding automatically into a system where a salesperson um, or a marketing person can, can take action on it right away. And I mean, that's, that's what we do. We have a, we have a company that uh, we work with that goes into um, companies that work with um, shipping and logistics and an average salesperson in that industry can handle between 25 and 40 leads in their funnel at a time. And when they go in and install our system, they change the, the funnel size for a salesperson by 9 to 12x. And so if you imagine a salesperson all of a sudden from being able to, even a, an average salesperson that can maybe handle 30 leads in their funnel now can handle 270 300 leads because they have the which right the, tools. Which to the camp, um, they, they can't though. But they have Well they they can and that's the beauty of of our platform is that it helps the salesperson manage that many people. They do it and and it's a it's a night and day difference. It's a matter of changing the expectations, changing the way t- technology works, and if you have the right tools, you can do that. But it takes a fundamental change in the way you perceive your CRM and how the components work together to actually make that change in the company. And that that's what we do. We've, we've done it many, many times, and um, that's, that's the power of a complete CRM and integration working together.
1: Well, I, I would when I say they can't do it is it depends on the complexity and the size of the deal. But a seller, yeah, if you're dealing with anything of any complexity, you cannot work 300 leads at one time. I think this is one of the problems that that we see certainly in in tech space and SaaS sale world is that I contend that you know pipelines are too big. That yeah, you know, all the focus has been on how do we put things into the top of the funnel, top of the funnel, and not enough focus on how do we convert a higher percentage of these leads, qualified opportunities, into orders.
0: Well, yeah, and that's that's what we call lead nurturing, and you need to have an integrated approach to both sales and marketing um, to make that work. And sales enablement's a big part of that, and making sure that that all works. I mean, we we do this every day. Um, we've got customers that that are that they 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 do the thing, they do the impossible. That mindset that you can only handle a certain number of leads in a funnel is a common thing when you approach the market and your problem the way it's traditionally been done with um, these larger CRM platforms. But when you're able to integrate all that data together and build in the automation and build in the access to the data all in the same place, you can really, it changes the way a business operates. It changes the way they run. And we, we do it every day, but it's it's always amazing to watch when people actually start using our platform and they see when all the data is integrated and pulled together automatically like that, how it really does transform a business. It transforms the way people work. It transforms the way they think. It transforms just the, the environment, the culture into one of a team-based environment. And um, when, it's, when it's done right, it's um, it solves a problem because CRM is not is not a software problem. It's a it's a company problem. It requires vision from the entire company, the leadership, to say that we want to enable everyone in the organization to work together. Otherwise, you get you get, uh, and I'm sure you've heard of this expression: the, in, the inmates running the asylum, where you have someone say in marketing that says, well, I like to use this piece of software or one person in some part of the business that says, well, I want to use this piece of software because it's all I know. It's all I want to, I don't want to learn anything new. And when the inmates run the asylum, they dictate what software they use. And then that's how you end up getting that fragmented data and that the technical debt happening in the company. But if you've got strong leadership with vision and you take that step back and you take a look at how you want your company to operate it'll change the culture. And that's really what we want to drive. And whether or not you use green rope or some other way, when you take a step back and you look at the way the data flows, you look at your customer journeys, you can change the way the business operates in a way that, that makes it virtually unrecognizable in a good way in how you can change your business to be more efficient and create a team that's actually building an environment of growth.
1: So what to that end, I mean, what are you seeing in terms of how your your clients are reorganizing their businesses? Because by virtue of technology, there's still the, the issue, and we're seeing this in many companies. Is you know the pervasiveness of sort of the marketing and the sales silos. Uh, yeah, one level prevent the company from operating as efficiently as it can. I mean the Two different sets of of you know misaligned incentives and priorities and goals and KPIs and so on, is it seems like the future is that technology notwithstanding, that if you're gonna change the culture, the change of the culture starts with we need to completely rethink this whole marketing and sales structure and come up with something different. And mm-hmm. then the technology becomes, you know, secondary consideration. But to your point, that has to be addressed in my mind.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's one of the things I always say is before you pick a CRM, take a step back and think about who are you selling to? Who's your target market? Think about what do your sales processes look like? What is your how does marketing feed into it? How does customer service feed into it? And and not from just from finding a lead, but all the way through the lead nurturing process to having that person become a client and then turning them into an advocate for your brand? How do you keep engaging with them so that they can amplify your voice? And so when you can can think through that entire process, combine it with who you're selling to and then build a model of what information you need to store. What do you need to automate? You do all that first before you even think about a CRM. And then you come up with your requirements and say, this is our use case. Now let's go look at CRMs and figure out which one is going to allow us to do this easily. Which one is gonna how much is it gonna cost? Take into consideration the total cost of ownership, TCO. I'm sure you talk about Mm -hmm. this. Um, and it's a it's a huge issue. It's not the cost of a CRM is not the cost of the software. It's the cost of the software is a negligible part compared to the labor required to first to, to learn the system and then to use it. And then also if you need to do integration work How do you pay for the people to integrate the different data streams together and then maintain those? Because APIs are always changing. Servers can go up or down. What happens if you have a data collision? All those things have to be answered way before you even think about what kind of software you're going to go to. And once you determine what that is, then you can go and look at different software platforms and say, I want to see uh, I want to get a demo. I want a salesperson to show me how do I solve this particular problem? In real time, they should be able to get at least close to showing you how this would work. And if you can, if you're, if you and your team can say, yeah, that makes sense. I get how we can, our sales process can work with this platform and without a lot of hand-waving and you can feel like, like this person's actually the salesperson can actually show something legitimate, then get a trial, play or play around with it and then, and then invest in it. But Mm-hmm. Don't shoot. Don't shoot first and think later. And say, "Oh, well, I'm going to pick this CRM because this is what everybody else is using," or "I'm going to pick this one because my friend uses it." You got to take a very disciplined approach to to every software piece, but especially CRM because it's so core to the way your business operates.
1: And so, sort of the profile of the companies that that uh, use your product.
0: Uh, We're all over the map, so we have everything from startups to government organizations like the City of Phoenix, the State of Idaho, Um, the Tournament of Roses. We've got some large universities. So uh, manufacturing, we're in twenty. No, sorry, I take that back. We're in forty-one countries now. Um, So you know, there's a we have a very broad um, swath of of clients and types of clients, and so and that's really about having a flexible system that's easy to configure for whatever market you're going after. Um, but again, but it doesn't do it itself. It's, it's not, there is no easy button when it comes to CRM. There has to be the work done ahead of time. And it right. has to be the leadership in the company that can, that can carry the ball and say, someone's going to have to be a champion. Someone's going to have to put together the vision. And that's where leadership comes in. Being, having a good CRM is really a function of leadership. And if you hear a lot of people complaining about the use of the CRM in your company, there's probably an issue with leadership at some level, because in a well-oiled machine, in a good company, the CRM should be a tool that people love to use that helps them do their job better.
1: Yeah, well, I I do think that over the last well, certainly five years, that there's been a change and a shift, let's say, not a complete change in mindset, where because of the addition of tools and in a Salesforce environment, the App Exchange—I mean, the value of Salesforce in large part, I think, for many companies, driven by the things, the apps they find on the App Exchange—that, um, yeah, sellers are actually getting productive use out of those systems as opposed to just being a command and control system. And that's—and I think that mindset is—is, is, as you said, is very essential.
0: Yeah, I think the main thing to think about though is, is an app exchange app does not necessarily mean easy or automatic. No. Uh, it, there's, a, there's a large amount of cost and schedule and the complexity that goes into plugging different software pieces together. And I think that's an important part that especially leaders in companies who may not necessarily be software developers or software architects. Um, may not grasp the full complexity of what that means to say we're going to use one CRM and then we're going we're to bolt on these 12 different pieces of software together to make it work. And the cost and schedule that goes with that. And that sort of goes towards what I was saying before about doing that research up front so you look at your entire sales process and then take mm-hmm. into consideration that total cost of ownership of not just those different subscriptions, but the management of the data interfaces between them so that they all can talk to each other. What happens if you send an email newsletter out and the email bounces or somebody updates their profile? How does that data flow back into the rest of the system in a way where everyone else is going to be able to benefit from that? And that's, right. that's connecting those dots is the challenge that a lot of businesses face. And when you have a centralized platform for all of that, and and that's sort of that's our vision behind green rope and our complete crm is that yeah, clearly. you don't have to manage all that that hopping of data from one piece to another to
1: another so for people who want to find out more about green rope how can they do that uh,
0: so we have our, our website greenrope.com um we're also on linkedin facebook um, twitter all that um, if you want to get involved in the social side um, but we've I've also written um, CRM for Dummies, so if you're uh, ever on Amazon and want to learn from that, the the for Dum- from the for Dummies series, I wrote that book, published it uh, a couple of years ago. So, cool. Uh, talks about a lot of these same concepts.
1: Excellent. All right, well, Lars, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, we're ever so grateful for your support of this program. And I want to thank my guest, Lars Hegelson for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, well, we'd appreciate it. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thanks for your help. And thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.